Thank you for checking out episode number 53 of the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz. This episode is a little different than the others. All three of the interviews here feature multiple people from each band I spoke with. Those bands in question are Radner and Lee, Kansas, and Sons of Silver. First up is my interview with both Radner and Lee. Josh Radner, yes, that Josh Radner from How I Met Your Mother and Hunters and other great film and television projects. And Ben Lee, yes, that Ben Lee, almost 25 years into a solo career where he got started as basically a teenager in his native Australia. Great guys. Their new album is called Golden State. It is the second Radner and Lee album. So we spoke about that. We also touched base on how Ben Lee's bar mitzvah (laughs) helped him find his way in terms of his career and also what it's like as full-time artists and content creators in the midst of COVID-19. I think you're going to like this one. Glad to have you both on the line, and really, congratulations on getting another album done and basically out, because most people can't get their music out at the moment. So how long was the second album in the making for? Oh, man. It was for a from Continued on from the first one, right? Like the writing? Yeah, we were, we were over... We, before the first one was even out... I think, well, no, I don't know if that's true. What was the first song we wrote on this album? Was it Outside In, Ben? Yeah, yeah. So it was like while we were touring the first record, we were sort of starting to write the second one. Um, yeah. so it was a few years. Yeah. Nice, nice and healthy some songs, gestation period. So, some songs, we brought, I don't know, we brought like 15 songs into the studio and ended up choosing 11. And um, yeah. some of the songs... Um, we wrote long in advance of recording the record and, and we had this really exciting um, time at my house where Ben um, just came over every day for like a month and we uh, brought over all this equipment. We did a lot of demos for songs, but we also found, um, you know, down in the dirt was found there. Simple harmony was found there. Um, trying to think what else, like it was just, we just gave ourselves this kind of cocoon, this music cocoon for a month where we discovered, um, kind of the sonic, you know, uh, landscape of the record, I think. And you answered what I was going to ask next, which is, which was the first song that you wrote for the album, but you do already have a couple of videos out. Were those made months ago? Well, yeah, Simple Harmony we shot right before the lockdown sort of came into place. So it was kind of edited at the beginning. Um, uh, wait, I think we just have one video, don't we? Or did we make another one? I, pretty much, yeah, yeah. It's just the one yeah, video. Yeah. I mean, we have other videos from the first record, but from the second record, it's just Simple Harmony. And then, oh yeah, and other stuff we did, like we've done a little bit of stuff like performances, like, you know, taped separately at home and sort of putting them together. Um, you know, just trying to <laughs> do what you can. Yeah. One thing I can't figure out about you two is, Ben, when I first saw you live 20-ish years ago on Long Island, when you covered Skulls by the Misfits, it's obvious that you have a punk rock background too, but what is the artist or the group that brought together you guys in the first place in terms of commonality? I'm not sure that... Josh and I's bonding was not over necessarily like musical aesthetic or albums we had in common or anything. It was more about like conversations about what being an artist means um, trying to be, you know, good and accessible and, um, trying to sort of get subversive or intelligent ideas into the world. I mean, it was more almost like, um, philosophical conversations like that, that really, I think created the palette, but obviously we're both interested in like acoustic music and harmonies and, 
folk stuff and all that. But but it, I think our initial creative bonding was more to do with like about attitude to art, to creativity. Yeah. And I think once we started making music together, we became more engaged musically. Like I, I would turn to Ben and say, um, uh, who, uh, Ben, who's, who's the pianist who's in, um, the band, uh, in, uh, the last waltz, Dr. John, uh, right? Like, are I, you, I are you, wait, are you acting out a scene? Or are you genuinely acting? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But I, I watched the last waltz and I said, Hey Ben, is Dr. John worth listening to? And he said, absolutely. And he sent me a link to a record that I should listen to, you know, like once, well, once we, splinters. was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. But, but I, I think we've become more, um, our dialogue has turned more musical now that we're, uh, now that we've been making music together for so long. But I agree with Ben that it initially, because I wasn't making music, I was making movies and TV and theater and writing. But, but we were both, the very first conversation we had was, <laughs> was about just how do you be popular, how do you be both popular and good? Like we were actually asking ourselves that question, like, can you maintain really high quality and, and really kind of penetrate the consciousness of a culture? And we're still asking ourselves that question, you know, and I think some people really do that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a wide ranging kind of decade long conversation that led to us sitting down and writing songs eventually. Being of Jewish backgrounds in a certain age, did music at all start with you with Van Halen? Uh, well, and for me, it was like my equivalent was Motley Crue. Um, that was really big for me. Um, Van Halen was like a little bit before. Um, yeah, so for me, it was more Motley Crue. Van Halen was definitely around my time, but I, I just remember, you know, the videos more because it was an MTV thing, you know, Jump and California Girls and all that. But I didn't, I was never, I never felt super hard for Van Halen. Uh, that's a shame. Can't win them all. <laughs> but uh, Ben, is it true that your music career kind of started that you got a guitar as part of a bar mitzvah gift? Well, yeah, I mean, I'd wanted a guitar. Obviously, I was playing guitar from when I was 10 and I just wanted to be in a band. And I, I did see. It's funny because my music is, you know, the acoustic guitar ended up being my sort of tool of choice. But the vision of like in my mind there was a barrier for entry into rock and roll and that involved having an electric guitar so and when i was you know whatever 12 and a half and you know had my bar mitzvah and uh got that electric guitar that was i suppose when i went okay there's nothing stopping me now i have the same thing slash has or whatever you know what i mean like like I don't know how to play it as well, but, but it seemed like uh, it, we were kind of all systems go. Yeah, similar story with Hillel Slovak from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, so you're not the only one. But back to you guys in your band and your music. Was the band name that you have now, Radner and Lee, always going to be the name, or is there like a second place finisher? Uh, we <laughs> had a bad band name idea that we will spare you. We're not going to tell you it, but... It, it, you know, Ben's idea, ultimately, he was the one who said Radner and Lee and, and he himself mixed uh, Lee and Radner because he, he thought it, if, if you said it too fast, it sounded like a country singer named Lee and Radner. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of in the tradition of, of uh, folky acoustic uh, kind of, um, you know, 70s bands, right? There's a lot of... Um, duos that just kind of called themselves by their last name and we just you know it's kind of a slight nod to that yeah and also just having like a like there was something about um i feel like something that's been on the it's maybe more of a subtext to our whole musical journey has been about kind of being men and being friends and being like you know men like like it's something that sort of almost is like it's like a complicated thing to write about these days um because we realize we've been living under sort of these structures of what being a man is that um have been pretty negative and have done so much damage on the world you know and so i think 
part of what I liked about Radner and Lee was it was just like two men. <laughs> Basically, it's like two men singing songs about their lives. And I, I liked there was a simplicity to that. And, a, um, you know, in a way, it's like a little, we're not the most macho guys, but there was something nice uh, about assuming the mantle of sort of like these more macho duos or something. I don't know. The mantle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mantle. <laughs> exactly. So it's an interesting predicament where you two are both famous for a long time off of different projects. And this isn't just a side project because there's a second album and you've made video content and you actively promote it with press. But are you looking ahead and thinking, well, there's going to be a third album and when things get back to normal, we'll hit the road? I mean, I'm looking ahead to when I can go to a restaurant safely. Um, you know, like the limits of sort of what our, our ability to see the future right now is incredibly diminished. I think so. Um, and it's tricky with playing live because you want to, it's such a huge part of what makes music fun, but you want to do it in a way that's obviously like safe and sustainable and with material that is current. Um, so I think a lot of artists that are releasing music now, it's going to be an interesting thing. Like whenever live music opens up again, do they go out and sort of like pimp the records that they put out during this, you know, period, or is there more a call to make new music and go out and play that? So like, it's just basically my answer is I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I mean, our, our whole kind of guiding philosophy is like, as long as it's fun and we feel some energy around writing songs together, we're going to keep doing it. I mean, we haven't, we haven't actually written a song in quite a while because we've been focusing on this record and, and now getting it out. Um, I'm always excited to, to write more songs with Ben. I hope we do another record and I'll echo with Ben, you know, who knows uh, when it's safe. Uh, we certainly want to hit the road and bring this music and other music to people. Um, but again, we can't, uh, we, we don't have the tea leaves on that. We'd really tried to get on that bill from that, with that guy Chase, you know, and over the weekend, um, you know, we, we tried to get on that bill in Tennessee over the weekend, you know, that big concert. Um, we did, but, uh, no, never mind. I don't know. Yeah. That thing with the, like 10,000 people, like all squashed up without masks. And, oh no. And insane. Yeah, I, it was like watching like Hieronymus Bosch visions of hell. You know? <laughs> oh God. Then I'm not going to ask you guys what your feelings were about Sammy Hagar's declaration that everyone needs to basically get back on tour. <laughs> so two quick questions. And then you guys are free <laughs> men for me. And the first one is being holed up. What is the best movie or TV show discovery you've had over the past few months? Well, you want to go first, Josh? Uh, I'm going through it really slowly, but I love it. It's the Ken Burns country music documentary. Um, I loved Unorthodox on Netflix, and I had never seen The Last Waltz, uh, shockingly, but I really, really loved it. Um, I'm trying to think what else, Ben. Have we discussed anything else? I've just been, the most exciting thing for me has been, I've been on like this Tim Heidecker deep dive. Um, I loved Beef House. I loved um, on, on, on Cinema, At the Cinema, um, in which there's like seasons to go through. And I want to watch Decca next. Um, so I've just been like loving going through all that stuff. Really good picks. Beef House is definitely something that a lot of people slept on. So power to you. Well, it was like the worst timing. It was kind of like, because it's this extreme, like, kind of gross out, very frivolous kind of comment on television. And, and it was like, it came out right at the beginning of pandemic when everyone was just terrified. <laughs> it's like, so it's just like, it's a very hard moment to try and sell it, I think. And then the show after that, Three Busy Debras, was another classic that unfortunately fell off the deep end. Oh, wait, I haven't seen that. That's a Tim Heidecker? It had the time slot after Beef House, and it was six or eight episodes like Beef House. Not Tim Heidecker, but very absurdist, oh, okay. weirdo kind of humor that if you like oh, the state, you'll like that. So the closer for both of you, being mindful of your time here, any last words for the kids? What kid? Um, <laughs> 
um, mine are just like, um, uh, here, watch some YouTube. Mom and dad are going to have a lie down. <laughs> Anything to add to that one, Josh? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Really do hope that more music comes. You guys really sound Thanks, like you've been playing together for a lot of years, not just three or four. So keep it up. Uh, that's cool. So awesome, thank you. That. Thanks for the support. Next up is my interview with Kansas drummer Phil Ehart and Kansas singer Ronnie Platt. Kansas has a new album out called The Absence of Presence. A really, really smart title right there, although you wouldn't expect anything less from Kansas, who is still one of the most played bands on classic rock radio. Kansas was supposed to be out on the road this summer with Foreigner and Europe playing amphitheaters. Unfortunately, that's on hold or canceled. Too early to know whether that's going to be rescheduled as a tour. But the key is Kansas is still making great, smart, complex music filled with great musicianship. We spoke about that in the interview. We spoke about Kansas's lean years, which the band had a good sense of humor about, and what they wish more people knew about them, what's ahead for them, what's still left to accomplish. You got to think of it this way. Kansas started scoring hits over 40 years ago, still doing it at this high level. So I like to find out what the greats still think needs to be done in their careers. think you're going to like this one. And if you want to see the video of Ronnie talking with me, go to my YouTube channel. When did you first start making the absence of presence? It uh, started uh, two or three years ago, actually. Um, as soon as we wound up uh, with the uh, Prelude Implicit, we headed back out on the road and and the guys started writing and we started uh, just writing the songs, but it was just in the last year or so that we got together in the studio and started uh, putting it together. Anything to add to that one, Ronnie? Uh, well, well, that's about right. Uh, and it, it, to, to me, the most ironic thing is the title of the album mm -hmm. and just uh, how it's just uh, so associated with what's going on now. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, gosh, I think it's almost been two years in the making now. Yeah. So. And that's a follow-up to an album that came out about four years ago. So is Kansas writing music all the time? Or is it more like we have a new album with 10 songs, we wrote 10 songs? Well, that's, don't they say uh, a, a writer always writs? So, uh, sorry, Phil, I didn't mean to step on you there. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I just think it's, it's, it's part of the work ethic of this band is to uh, always keep moving uh, down every avenue possible. So uh, it was a surprise to me joining the band and doing the Prelude Implicit. It's something I didn't expect uh, when I got the job in the band, but here we are with the second studio album. Uh, and also with the, the live album, Left Overture Live and Beyond, that was out. So three albums under my belt since I've been in the band. And it just goes to show uh, uh, Kansas continually wants to uh, put out that product. And this one goes to Phil. I did my research on Ronnie before this chat, to say the very least. As somebody who's been aware of Kansas his whole life, but aware of Ronnie for a few years now. Ronnie, who I had the pleasure of speaking with before you came on the line, Phil, has such an interesting background. And the narrative out there is that you guys kind of found him and said, do you want to audition or at least do you want to join? Was there a particular video or performance of Ronnie's that made you went, this is the guy for Kansas? Well, that's a good question, actually. It's, um, I was sent a video of Ronnie singing The Wall. Uh, he was at a piano by himself. I think it was at a club. And uh, he had mentioned something about, you know, you guys need to go see Kansas. This is a song by them called The Wall, and he sang it. And and that's when I went, okay, this could be our guy. And uh, got in touch with him and had him come to Atlanta. And he met with me and Richard, and we sat and talked, and he got to know us a little bit, and we got to know him. And I told him to, you know, come to Atlanta. Um, and start with the wall. That was the first song we were going to start with, and he nailed it. And uh, it's it's been great ever since. So, yeah, it was a, a bit of a process, but uh, seeing him, you know, singing 
and playing, especially The Wall, which is a very special song, mm-hmm. uh, meant a lot that, uh, that he was very familiar with that, could nail it, walked right in with the band, nailed it. It was, uh, we got off to a great start for sure. And Ronnie, have you ever established the first time that you ever saw Kansas live? Yes, it, well, uh, I do know the first time I saw them live. And uh, unfortunately, it was later in their career. It was at the Holiday Star Plaza in Maryville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening band was Night Ranger. Okay. Uh, so that was much later. Uh, sorry to say I never saw them in the 70s. Uh, I wasn't much of a concert goer. Uh-huh. Uh, I was very, uh, very much a loner uh, at, at home, either playing guitar or playing bass uh, and, and working to buy music equipment. Uh, that, that, that's what I did. And I really didn't get into seeing concerts uh, late, later in life. But I should add that, uh, you know, Phil did see that video of me uh, doing The Wall but it's, it's really not the first time that they knew of me. It's not like I was uh, totally unknown to them. Uh, we've had mutual friends uh, through the band, and, I, and I've met them previous times before that, and I also uh, played a show with them, the Moondance Festival up in Walker, Minnesota. And, and Darren, i got to tell you this lineup, if you'll indulge me for a minute. The lineup Please. for this, the lineup for just... Thursday was Shooting Star, okay. Fog Hat, Kansas, Cheryl Crow, and then this little band that was trying to make a name for themselves called Journey. <laughs> that was the lineup for Thursday. And I just remember just being so excited to be sharing the stage, singing for a national act and sharing the stage with, with Kansas. Uh, not to mention, not to mention, you know, other other bands that uh, I really admired. So that that was really a great thing, and that that was a few years before uh, joining Kansas. Now this question can go for either of you here. Journey was, I think, the first high-profile band to kind of admit that they found their singer through a YouTube video. Was there any hesitation in kind of admitting that publicly? No, not for us. No, there was no hesitation. I mean, as Ronnie said, there was a number a number of uh, ways that we knew of him. Right. Um, whether it was through uh, mutual friends or, you know, seeing him on YouTube or have him come in and audition. And it, in my mind, it really wasn't a, a, an audition. I just wanted to make sure that he he fit, you know, personality wise, and and that's important also. And and he did, and on, on all fronts. So it really wasn't just a, a YouTube thing. I remember Phil uh, telling me before I came down to Atlanta. Uh, he said to me, "We're not we're not having you come down to audition. We've already s- seen you sing. Mm-hmm. We just we just want to know if you're a nice guy, if you're going to fit in with the band, if you're going to be able to take our severe abuse." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, Things went very well, and Phil, I, you know, I remember that that meeting in Atlanta. Uh, Darren, yeah. we we talked business. What do you think, Phil? Maybe ten minutes, and we were together probably three three and a half hours. Talked business for ten minutes, and the rest of yeah. the time was just getting to know each other, telling stories, and and, and laughing. We were yeah. laughing most of the time, so we yeah. hit it off right there. We did. And I, I don't know if the number is hundreds of thousands or in the low millions, but I'm one of those people that was really looking forward to the tour this summer that you had with, with Foreigner and Europe, the Jukebox Heroes Tour, like everybody. Is that tour postponed? Is there any chance that that lineup is going out next summer or in the future? Uh, there's always a chance, but um, it has not been rescheduled. I can tell you officially, it has not been rescheduled. So you you never know right now, uh, but uh, it has not been rescheduled. Got it. So looking ahead 
And the clear answer to this could be no, because most people are going to say no. But is there anything in the future besides promoting this great new record of yours that is concrete for Kansas? You know, you're right. There's really nothing. Right now, there's nothing that's concrete. And I think most people can say that. You know, it's, it's, uh, I can tell, I can guarantee you most bands can say that. Right. There's nothing, there's nothing concrete. Nothing. Well, on a brighter note, you know, you have this great new album, which sounds like it wasn't painful to make and you were able to take your time doing it. Is it the kind of thing where you're sending tracks back and forth or did everybody have to be in the same room to get it done? Yeah, no, it was, um, luckily everybody is pretty much set up with their own studio or their ability to uh, work on their parts or whatever. And a lot of this was worked on on the road because we would, uh, before we'd play each night, we had a a rehearsal session where we worked on, where we'd go over the songs we were going to be playing that night, but we'd also start working on on other songs. Uh, One uh, comes to mind is Throwing Mountains. We'd had the, we had the uh, the demo of that that Zach had made, and we just started learning the song even before we recorded it. So it was the kind of thing that, um, yeah, by the time we got to the studio, it was uh, everybody was fairly familiar as to what we were going to do. Now, on a totally different wavelength here, Kansas has one of the most enduring catalogs for rock, classic rock, whatever you want to call it, and. In turn, it's been licensed creatively better than almost any of your peers. And I say that because your music was on The Simpsons, it's in Guitar Hero. You name the comedy, it's in there. You know, the the usage in old school still is great (laughs) to this day. But was there anything that Kansas has turned down over the years that would be surprising? Uh, Yeah. Um, Most of that stuff. Uh, comes through me since I'm also the manager of the band mm-hmm. and I'll hear it and, and I have to either approve it or disapprove it. And um, <clears throat> there has been some disapprovals. <laughs> um, and, and it's strange because the Simpsons was great. You know, uh, um, the, the things that, uh, that, that we've been on and done, I mean, it's uh, supernatural has been great. Most of the submissions that I've turned down that want, was wanting to use a sample of one of our songs and uh, usually in a style of music that doesn't really fit Kansas or doesn't really complement the song. When, when they want to use our music in, in more of making fun of it, and I don't mean tongue in cheek like, you know, Will Ferrell and stuff. That's great. But sometimes it's just like, um, no, <laughs> that's not, that's not going to work. And, but there's only been a couple, only a couple. I mean, they've all been sincere and, uh, you know, we really like to use this and, you know, guys, it's, uh, just not going to work. So, but most of the time we're, we're flattered that people want to, uh, use our music and, and we embrace it as well as, uh, advertisements and, and things like that, that, uh, that we feel good about. So we just kind of go with that. Well, this next question goes towards both of you, and I'm going to get totally different answers here because, Phil, you've been in the band since the beginning. You've been here the whole time. Ronnie, six years or so, I believe, in the band. Six years. Okay. Phil and Ronnie, both of you, what do you still want to accomplish in being in one of the greatest rock bands of all time? Phil, go ahead. Okay. Well... <laughs> I don't know if accomplished is the word, but, but it's, it's something that um, uh, personally I'd like to, uh, you know, right now it's, it's a great question. I, I would like to see the band be able to continue mm-hmm. and, and continue in, in the mode that we're, that we're in. And, and it's a very successful time for the band where the band is great and the venues are great and the crowds are great and our new music is great. And, and it, it's just something that for, 16 years we didn't have that we were still out there playing but it was at a time where we didn't have any new music uh members of the band were less than excited to be there mm-hmm. um it was uh, the venues were not very good it was 16 years we called the the dark years <laughs> so we were basically <laughs> we were basically ages. yeah we were on a bus 
you know, playing every dive you could imagine. And, uh, and we've pulled ourselves out of that. And the new blood, whether it's Ronnie or Tom or Zach or whatever, the new blood that's come into the band has provided a lot of that. And, uh, and the other four of us have been through all those times. And we just hope that this, uh, this time period that, that everybody's going through right now passes and we can get back to, uh, to what we've done. So that's, that's what I'd like to see is to return to our, our former, our former times a few months ago. And yourself, Ronnie? I'm not going to rest until Kansas is played on every continent. <laughs> so that, that, that would be nice. Uh, y- you know, for me, uh, it's, it's more of a, a work goal that mm-hmm. I've always had. And that's to uh, every show, try and be better. And, you know, Kansas has, uh, the, or I should say the Kansas fan has such a high expectation uh, with this music and to deliver that, that's, that's my goal is to keep delivering this music to the high standard that we put it at. And, and to keep Kansas going and to keep writing new music. I mean, I've said this many times where the kudos really go to Phil and Rich who have been here since day one. Right. And still have this creative desire to, to put out new music under that Kansas name that has that Kansas influence. And both uh, Zach and I uh, say that We've been so influenced by Kansas our, our entire lives that when we write something, even not that we put, you know, conscious thought into, oh, we, got, we have to write a Kansas song now. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just something that comes out naturally because you're a product of your influences. And we've been so influenced by Kansas our entire lives. We can't help but have elements of Kansas in our writing. So when you bring that to the band and everyone starts adding their own flavor, we go into the studio and, you know, of course you got the amazing Billy Greer, the amazing David Rags, Ragsdale adding their flavor in. Uh, it, it just, it turns out to have that Kansas flavor. And uh, it, it would be my goal to see that continue for, for years to come, even even when the members of Kansas change, because uh, in this band it really is about the music and not about the musician. Uh, you, you know why? Why do they still play? Uh, symphonies still play. You, you know, m- music from Bach and Beethoven and Mozart. You know, it's it's a sure their names are very well affiliated with that, but the music lives on, and I, I really put Kansas in that category. Onwards and upwards, I guess, is the way that we can summarize it all up for both of you. Absolutely. Uh, so two quick questions for both of you, and then you are free for me. And the first one is, what is your best TV or film discovery in the midst of being quarantined the past few months? <laughs> That's a good one. I, oh, I, know, I know mine. I know mine. I've, I've discovered Peaky Blinders. Okay. What's Anybody heard that? of that? I think it's the Netflix <laughs> Peaky Blinders. Wow, it is intense. Really, I'm going to have to watch. For me, oh. it w- uh, for me, I did not realize that this was so popular. Was Ozark? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I ended up binge watching that. I I just thought that was fantastic. Yeah. One more season. Yeah, you haven't seen Peaky Blinders, Ron? No, what uh, I'm writing that down. That's on Netflix. That's on Netflix. Yeah, P E A K Y Peaky Blinders. And I just thought, well, I'll just roll the dice. I mean, I, I couldn't stop. It's uh it's really good. It's really good. Well, I've homework to do because of both of you, Ozark Peaky <laughs> Blinders. So, the in closing yeah. for both of you whoever wants to answer first, any last words for the kids? Oh, jeez. Well, mainly, mainly thanks to people like you, really, uh, having us, you know, doing the interviews and, and you know, uh, having been a supporter for a long time, not forgetting about us and 
kind of just pushing us to a side as a bunch of has-beens. We, we really always appreciate the people that, you know, that pay that, that, uh, that appreciate us and same thing with our fans, you know, but, uh, uh, times have changed in the last 40 years and we're still doing, people are still talking about Kansas. So, uh, can't complain. Anything to add, Ronnie? I, I, I'll second that. I'll second <laughs> that. Uh, you know, and and it's funny when you mention kids. I don't know if you were saying our our fans, <laughs> but you know, when we walk into a meet and greet, and the average age is probably sixty, I still say hi, kids. You know, <laughs> so but uh, you know, it, it, it's great when you when you say kids, and you know, it's our fans and the children of our fans, and now the grandchildren of our fans that are coming to see Kansas. And, and that's really great. Yeah. Couldn't have said it. Any that's it. Else. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for your time. Really do hope that you do come to Jones beach in New York sometime in the near future, whenever that is, but congratulations on your new album. Darren, sure. thank you so thank you, much. Man. Outrocast. Last, but definitely not least, is my interview with three-fifths of the band Sons of Silver. I spoke with Peter, the singer, Dave, the drummer, and Brina, the keyboardist and engineer. It is a very unique band. Not only are they great, but everyone in this band has incredible credits. Dave Krusen, the drummer, for example, he played on Pearl Jam's 10 album. Yes, he's the original drummer of Pearl Jam. He's in Candlebox nowadays. So everybody brings something to the table in this group. Their latest EP is called Doomsday Noises. And in speaking with these three, it sounds like there's many, many more songs written or rough mixed or slated to come out. They are artists. And we spoke about that new EP, Doomsday Noises. We spoke about everyone having great credits what's coming up for the band, and also life off stage for them. Very refreshing thing about this interview, which rarely happens when you have multiple people on the line, is you can actually tell that they're friends. They're asking one another about their lives. They're sharing memories or stories that it doesn't seem like they've heard before. So <laughs> this is a very loose, freeform, and fun conversation. And again, the video is on YouTube if you want to see the drum set that Dave is talking about. Enjoy. Doomsday Noises is the new release. And if I've read the press release correctly, a lot of the songs or all the songs came out of jamming. But when does it come from, we're going to make some new music to actually have an EP? How long did that take? Uh, a few months. I mean... And, you know, we, we basically just sit out with an agenda that we want to go in and track some stuff. And we work, we work fast. I mean, usually within a matter of 10, 15 minutes, we'll have something solid worked up, you know, once we get on an idea. And, uh, and then we try to finish it pretty quick because, you know, uh, things get stale. You forget why you did it. You lose the moment. You lose inspiration. And, and then also you don't know what things may come about in life that may keep you away from the recording studio for a bit, like viruses and so on and so forth. Outright, does everyone or anyone have a favorite song on the EP, the one that you go, well, you haven't heard us before, but this is the song that you need to hear first? I'd say for me, it's a tie between Readem and uh, uh, Rude Awakenings, which is the first track. I love those two a lot. Dave? I think of the four that are out right now, you're talking about? Yeah. The ones out, yeah. Uh, I really like Bad Blood a lot, like that. Oh, that that one's not released yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm because I just <laughs> exclusive. Um, I think Read Him the Rights is probably my favorite. If I had to pick one, just because. Oh, sorry, pets. Um, uh, yeah, I love the way that that one's very. Uh, I just everything about it, you know, the message, the music, it all. Kind of well, the way it all like uh, meets up there. I think the dogs like it too. It's Dolly. Dolly <laughs> and yourself there, because I've got two hot takes on what the best song is. I want the third. Yours. Mine. Actually, it's probably it's probably Root Awakenings. Uh, I like I just like the lyrics. I like the woohoo's, that stonesy sort of thing, but it's got a punk quality to it, so a little you know a little clash in there. Uh, I like them all, though. I mean, you know, they all have their, they're like children. They all have their, their special place in my heart, so to speak. 
you know, especially, especially lyrically. It's like, I know, you know, where they were coming from, at least in my head, but like, like, um, uh, read them, read them the rights. You know, I, I, that one, they're all actually, a lot of them have a similar start, but I remember I was just sort of noodling on something. And Dave just sort of started going back and back and back and back. And then everyone jumped in. I mean, I think we put that together in what, like 15, 20 minutes, maybe, a, maybe a half hour, you know? Okay. So it was, it was pretty fast. If and, I right. and similarly, cause, uh, when when we track um i'm usually behind the board and the guys right. are in the room um jamming and doing their thing and i remember for the drums um for rude awakening we weren't on a click and dave was just i i don't know if you remember this dave but you were having so much fun you were like hitting parts of like the drums yeah. you don't normally hit yeah. and i was just so excited it just had so much energy from the beginning and i just loved the chaos it was like this this thing that was about to fall apart but never did and it was it was pretty awesome yeah i don't remember that at all it's cool yeah. well that was actually something i was going to ask later on having an engineer in the band do you actually track your keyboards after everybody else like is that the last thing that goes on it usually is because, you know, I think a lot of the inspiration um, is uh, is from the guitars, you know, because that's where it's it, that's the original instrument. And then a lot of times once the basic melodies are figured out, I mean, it's not always, but the, the keys are coming in to complement whatever the vocal melody or the guitar melodies are. Yeah. And you're one of these bands where, of course, the music's great, but everyone in the band kind of has to have parentheses next to their name. You know, when you're reading the bio and says their credits and what they did before this. So a lot of people, the first time they heard about the band went, oh, all-star band. Is that a thing that you like, that a lot of people first peg you that as a super group or an all-star band? Uh, I, don't, I don't know that we really think about it that way. Dave, maybe you take that one up. No, I... Uh... No, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's just, I'm so used to like uh, playing in bands and people want to know what bands you've played in sort of thing. But uh, for me, I mean, it was so long ago. <laughs> that, um, uh, I've always been like, I mean, I'm very proud of, of you know, what I've done musically and, and all that, but I really just kind of go with where I am right now, you know, and we've... Yeah. It's just like we've put in so much work in this band. Right. Um, you know, somebody was asking me about because the, the song's doing well and they like the music and everything. And I'm like, you know, like, uh, is that cool? And I said, actually, it's so cool because the amount of work that we've put in, you know, seeing it pay off is like, it's so exciting because we never let up. And if anything, we just got, we worked harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we yeah, work well said. friggin' hard and we go in the studio and that's the beauty of them having a studio. Like mm -hmm. you're saying, I was playing on different whatever, you know, I have complete freedom to do anything. And if it totally sucks, it doesn't matter because we can just go, fit, you know, try something else. And I've never had the luxury. I mean, I have a home studio here, mm -hmm. but I don't have a studio like they have a studio. They have a studio like, you know, they could charge two grand a day and you know what I mean that kind of like a real studio so it's nice to be in an environment like that and just do whatever we want really it's well said on that and Dave and all, all points and especially to me on the on the hard work we, we paid our dues we paid our dues after already having paid our dues you know yeah. it, was, yeah. it was like a second time around maybe like a third marriage you know <laughs> and 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 sometimes, frankly, emotionally, that's tough. You just you're like, wait, I I played this club ten years ago, you know, and I'm still lugging my app here. Now, mind you, we'd all had a lot of success at different times with the bands on the way, but it's it's not easy. And, and you know, and 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 then start now, really starting to see some success. People are jumping on from you know every every angle. It's really rewarding. And then for me, especially because it's especially rewarding because musically we're really coming together now. It's, it, and it's, 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 you can see that all the time we spent together, um, the, the natural chemistry we have, but then the history that's built up with that, that I think that gives us all, you know, a lot of, a lot of freedom to try things to just be comfortable and, and you know that you're not really under the spotlight but you know, forget the rest of the world, but with your own band members, which, which happens a lot. It's like, you just, we just go and someone has an idea. Dave will sometimes, Hey, you'd be like, Hey, Hey Peter, can you, can you, 
play that part. You know, you were just doing that. Can you do that more or do that a little less, you know? And, and I'll be like, Oh, great. And I like that for me. Cause it's like, it's input. And I know we all do that with each other. So it's like a family and it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, yeah. which is what it's meant to be. It's just, it's fun, you know? And you mentioned except for, except for her. <laughs> <laughs> the engineer in the band is always the one that you have to worry about because right. they're hearing right. things that other people are not hearing. And you guys do have great, interesting tones and effects in your music. But before I ask about that, before you said that a lot of the songs have come together in 10 or 15 minute blips of genius, does that mean that there's so much material so much more material that's been written that has actually come out or slated to come out. We've got a lot of yeah. material. Yeah. We've got, a lot. you know, he, Dave said, I was like, I like such and such song. We haven't released the end. It's a really good song. Yeah. We, we have a lot of material and we we're going back into the studio in a week where Breen and I 20 minutes before this, we're singing vocal on a, another song that we cut, you know, at the, at the end of last year among a batch of songs. So, yeah. Wow. So before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about COVID-19 and the pandemic and what people are up to, but it sounds like you guys haven't slowed down one bit. Well, I think the touring aspect of everyone's lives, um, you know, has affected each person in slightly differently. Like you have um, maybe Dave and Adam touring a little bit more with their projects than, than we are. Uh, so I think that aspect... Or less, you mean. Um, well previous to COVID yeah. during right. more. And so I think, you know, it's affected our lives differently, but as far as, I mean, Dave, you've been tracking drums in your studio, right? For people remotely? Yeah, I've done, I mean, we did a song. Did you tell Darren about? Uh, oh, the quarantine. Oh, the quarantine no. we did, did you hear quarantine in California? That one I haven't heard yet. I haven't had the pleasure of, and I know what I'm going to be doing as soon as we clicked end all on this uh, conversation. All right. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, it's great. He's like, hey, I got this little ditty idea, you know, and he sent it over here. And I think it was like an acoustic vocal and a click track. Yeah. Much. And yeah. I put drums on, just a real simple drum track. And then he sent it to, I think Adam got it, and then it made its way to Kevin Holland, where he put, you know, all the finishing touches of uh, all the guitar stuff. And it's amazing. And it's a video also. Pete's like, hey, right. this up. well, I'd never done that before. So I like, you know, turned on my iPad and just sat down at the kit and played and hoped that it recorded it. And we all did that. It, was really, it, it turned out great. I'm really proud of the way that turned out. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. Fine. yeah, I was I was actually pleasantly surprised. I, I had this song idea and, and I think I called up Dave first. I was like, I have this idea. You know, I was like, what do, what do you think? He's like, yeah, send it over, you know, so I just banged it out of my acoustic and sent it over and he's like send me send me the tracks you know so i just put it in the pro tools sent it to him and next thing i know you know he's already gotten it to adam adam's tracked the bass and he sent it off to kevin i i didn't even i didn't put like any guitars that's all that guitar stuff is kevin i mean in, in fairness dave got it launched and kevin finished it off and then Brian and i Brian and i you know Brian mixed it and i sang the vocals but but that was all these guys it was funny i was like whoa shit here yeah. we go and that's unusual too because we write our songs together that was one the rarity where i actually had sort of banged out the song hmm. now speaking of of dave uh the first time i ever heard dave speak at length i believe was on the podcast the i'd hit that podcast about drummers when he told his story and that was uh do you remember that one dave yes i do that was really cool i, I like that guy a lot he's a good guy and and a great, really good interview. It was great to hear your journey at length. But one thing I wasn't sure about is how you connected with Sons of Silver. Were you all friends for years, and it was just an impromptu jam, or how did no, that come about? Adam, Adam Curry. Um, we borrowed Pete's studio years ago to work on something we were doing for an afternoon. And then, um, so I'd known of Pete for a while and I knew they had a band and everything and I knew Pete was a really good songwriter and everything. Um, but yeah, it was probably either late 2014. When, when did we get together? I think, right. I think it was, yeah, like the end of 2014 when we first started playing. Yeah, yeah we, we immediately got busy. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. And then, but you, remember you and... and uh, you, you and well, Adam and I knew each other through a previous band, through our first band called Last December, which was mm -hmm. we we had a you know 
fair amount of success as an LA oh, band. And, but, oh, yeah, and then, yeah right. and so so then and then that band, our band, you know, part of ways, but Adam and I can you know stay close friends. It's one of, we're we're all super close, but Adam and I have known each other for a long time. And and uh so we stayed friends. I was producing a lot of stuff. He was always playing on it. I started doing some solo stuff, you know, was engineering it. It was kind of boring, you know. So so I was like, Adam, let's put a band together. He's like, I got the drummer. Dave, Dave brought in Kevin. It was that was it. But yeah, but but before it began, these guys um play what what was it with the Eden Marine? We toured. Well, Dave, you want to tell? Yeah. Yeah. You could probably, well, yeah, what year was that? 2012, 2011? 2012-ish, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Eden Maria, I don't know if you know who she is. Sure. Uh, really Polyvinyl Records, was that? I'm sorry? Was that artist on Polyvinyl, or is it Arena Rock Recording Company? It's jogging my memory that it was a big indie label. Yeah, it was, well, it was on Universal. It was, she was part of the Universal, one, one of their subsidiaries. When I worked okay. with her, yeah. And then, then she, um, Jason Flom signed her. That's it. Later, before she went back to Norway. But that, that kind of didn't pan out because she had done a record called Bad Karma, which did really well for her. And uh, he really liked that record. She didn't want to make another, you know, carbon copy. Which, so I think they clashed a little bit. But, but anyway, Ida's really talented. And Brina Sang and another female vocalist. Yeah, Samantha, Samantha. Uh, friend of, a mutual friend kind of in the community. Yeah, we did the West Coast, which was an adventure because that's back when Ida was drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was yeah, right. amazing on stage. Oh I will say, God. she put on a show. Our yeah, first show we did in Silver Lake, she bit my arm. <laughs> did she really? They punched me, I don't remember, you know, or slapped me or something. Oh, yeah. I remember I saw I went to the show you guys did at uh, at the Roxy, and I remember standing. I, you know, we were all hanging out backstage before and after, but I remember standing off to the side of stage taking pictures. And I was I was amused because for for me that was the first time I ever saw you Dave play live, and it was the first time I had ever seen Brina on stage. But I remember watching it because it was a great show, and and Ida is an amazing amazing lead singer, really an amazing talent. Yeah, and uh, and I remember thinking that I, that's the band i want i want and, and not and there were no preconceived notions at the time it was like let's get get to there but but there was an energy you know and i still remember because you know dave when you play when you you just get into it you kind of sink you into it you know and it's kind of, kind of an old school vibe in the sense of like just that that 60s drummer was not hitting too hard but really charging but then it's really rock at the same time yeah. it's just and I was like, yeah, that's it. And Adam was bass, too. So yeah, it was kind was of like the bass. core of the band before the core of the band was there. Yeah, that's yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. That was a very kind of how things connected. Yeah. yeah. We're reminiscing for you, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just keep hearing over and over again of we actually like each other. Uh, we're good collaborators. We're responsible people. It's very refreshing and you don't hear that from a lot of bands that are in their 20s where that's the case uh, the narrative when you're in your 20s is we want to be the biggest band in the world and you guys maybe you want to be the biggest band in the world but you also want to be friends in the process of the whole thing yeah absolutely, absolutely. it's yeah. it's so important i mean it, it feels like a family you know it just yeah. and it, and it's i think for all of us it's important uh when you go on the road you know, to have that same feel and just be, just to be positive. You know that no one's, um, everyone's kind of on the same page with how they take care of themselves, you know, how they live their lives on the road. And it just makes life a lot easier. And it's just, you have great conversations and yeah, it feels like a family. And then I think that translates into the studio where, uh, everyone just has a lot of trust and respect mm -hmm. and just it makes when you go in there jamming um everyone whatever anyone throws into the hat it's like yeah let's try that you know and rena and dave you have interesting gigs where you do a lot of work remotely are you able to do the engineer work or the session drumming while you're on the road or does everything have to go on hold once you're on the road for me it has to go on hold pretty much um, I've never been out where there's a recording rig at all, which would be really cool. Actually, we should do that. Yeah, something. maybe. That's maybe good. Get to, you know, yeah, we should do that I next have, time. That focus right on wheels. You know what I mean? And a, that microphones. Um, yeah, I haven't done that yet. But I was going to say too about being in the studio and being playing on the road. 
like I really, before uh, the pandemic hit, I was really in the mode of like, I'm going to kind of forego the other things I'd been doing the last, you know, few years. And I really want to focus on this band. And so I did that. And it's just great time. I'm so excited that things are going well for us now because it's like, well, I hope so because that's where I want to put all my time and energy. But the, really, the, the the live thing, the studio thing, and the fact that uh, the, the thing has grown so much because I play with, you know, you might play with somebody for four or five years. There's not really a whole lot of growth. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of, of, you know what I mean? And it's like, if you don't have a mutual respect and, and um, trust and everyone's treating each other with respect and, and some kindness there, uh, it's very hard creatively, you know, when you get in the studio, it's like there can be some headbutting and maybe somebody will scream and yell and slam a door and run out for two hours. And those things yep. happen because there isn't that mutual respect and that trust. And we've always had that. And that's why when we show up at their studio, we have the best time. It's like yeah. we hang out, we play some music, we go get lunch, you know, and we're like <laughs> donuts, jokes. and Donut. Yeah, exactly. But it's all, it's an easy flow because there is that, that, yeah. you know, mutual respect. And, yeah, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's yeah. a rare thing. So it's, 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 it's awesome. Yeah, I wish I could record, um, do projects while I was out of town would be amazing to do. But yeah, I, the other thing I did, I wanted to mention, we're talking about doing things remotely. Um, mm-hmm. Dave Giles. Yes. Artist mm-hmm. from the UK who we toured with. I just did a track mm-hmm. with him a few days ago. And Sounds I great. Him. He's so good. You know, the He's so good. Voice and his song. I mean, I was just like, oh my God, dude, this song so friggin' good. Like, and his voice is so good and he's got backups on there and, yeah, it's he. He's great. He, the, the, that 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 track came out great. That, he, I'm so happy for you guys on that one. I, and for Nick him. Parker, yeah, yeah, Nick Parker. I, I worked with him remotely as well, and he does these things called Stranger Tunes, which you should check out. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw one of them personally. He, Sorry, he, go. Ahead. He's got crazy like massive YouTube following, and so yeah. he's like, "Hey, I do these things, and would you want to be involved?" And I was like, "Absolutely!" And it's a cover of a John Prine song. Oh. oh, cool! And we did it completely different than, and he really liked the way it came out, and I, I love it. I'm super proud of that. That's so. Yeah, Nick Parker. It's on YouTube. You can see it. But he gets people together that he hasn't had together. That he's like worked with this person over here and this person over there, and and uh, I knew him because we toured with Dave Giles, and he was on that tour. Yeah. So yeah, I did it with everybody. There's like four or five people on that track. And none of us, you know, we're all in different areas, locked down, you know, and, and it came out amazing, like our quarantine song. So. I, for, I wanted to ask you, I know we're getting sidetracked here. Did you guys track that all live, Dave? Or was it, did you? No, same like no, you did. Like he yeah, same, same like we did, okay. Yeah, he did acoustic to a click or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? so it's mm-hmm. on a grid. Because it looked like you actually did it live. That's why that's I was asking. Everybody's like, wow, that's so cool. How'd you do that live? It's yeah, like, that's why I was I like, wait a minute. It's so good. Like, yeah. You know, quarantine, though, thing does look live. I mean, we're cartoonish. <laughs> yeah. Know, and we don't have the instruments. You guys actually had the all the, well, I guess Kevin, no, you would play. I wasn't. But I guess there wasn't playing, yeah. a, playing an instrument or something. I don't know. Yeah, hey. the way he put it together, because I, I literally put, I gave him like two videos and he edited it so my dog, because my dog walks in at the end. <laughs> and my drums are set up, I don't know if you can see. See, I have drums set up right here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I recorded my video part right there. Actually, yeah. I, I did the drums there as well. It's the first thing I did in my dining room. But my dog walks in at the end and looks at me like, all right. timing. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm always super curious about the remote kind of stuff because when I interview somebody like a Kenny Aronoff, I don't know if you know Kenny, but I'm sure you know who Kenny is. Yeah. That's a guy who's always working and he's found a way to take everything virtual in kind of an appealing way. And then you'll speak to other people who just are grumpy about all the virtual and they miss the studio camaraderie. So when you speak to well-polished seasoned musicians like yourselves i like to get the hot take on that second hot take of the interview yeah i'm loving it i mean the fact that we can 
do it at all. It's yeah. like, thank God, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. What Dave said was spot on. I mean, the fact that we can even do it, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, we're very thankful. I mean, if just for us, I mean, just to do the one song, the quarantine song over the last few months, it just, it keeps you in the game. Yeah, we sit there and we have our group texts and stuff. And it's, but, you know, we, we, we did get together a couple weekends ago. Everyone came over. We had a little barbecue. But we weren't around each other for a few months. And we're used to spending a fair amount of time together. So it's, it's just, I don't know, it keeps you connected, keeps you in the flow emotionally with the music, everything. So it's, it's, it's nice to be able to do that for sure. And I'm sure, I'm sure other artists all feel the same. Right. So is there anything that is concrete about your future? Uh, if I look at, say, the band Rat, I don't know why I thought about Rat, but I know they're playing drive-in concerts. And then there's other bands that are going, well, uh, we just pushed back our summer tour to January and February. Do you guys have anything like that that you know is ahead in the future? Not right now, no. We, we, uh, we're looking at possibly doing a, a, a radio station tour uh, but that's just on the drawing boards right now. Um, we may have some options to do some, some driving stuff. Again, that's on the, just in the drawing boards and we may have some options to do some college, uh, you know, pull up flatbed truck, you know, for some college football games. Um, but nothing is set in stone or, you know, really the, the, the primary focus right now is, is aside from staying healthy is, you know, getting this EP out to as many people as possible within the industry, within the audience to really build up our fan base because there are a lot of people who really like it. So now is actually, a, we're, we're a good time for that. And then simultaneously going back into the studio to record a bunch of new songs so we effectively stockpile things because we expect if everything continues to go as it has been, that we'll spend a significant chunk of next year on the road and the year after. And obviously we'll, with the studio, but we'll you know, when the road opportunities come, we're going we're gonna to seize them, you know. And on a totally different wavelength, any recommendations from each of you on TV or film that we should be checking out while we're all quarantined? <laughs> I'll let you guys run with that one. Oh. <laughs> well, I have a list, but I can't remember. I don't have it with me. Remember, I keep texting you guys. Like, you I just, know, yeah, I you, think, have you text you texted oh. text me the Jeffrey Epstein one, but I'm I'm scared on that one. I'm, and I'm a political. I, I'm I'm a, like a, a absolute political junkie. I mean, I just <laughs> eat it up. But I haven't done that one. No, what was the other one? Oh, the uh, what was the the, the Adam Sandler one? Um, oh, Uncut Gems. Yes, that one I checked out. Um, and uh, Spencer Confidential. I laughed my ass off. That's a Mark Wahlberg movie. Oh yeah, oh, okay, it, that it, would make sense. Was that a Netflix yeah. one? I think it's a Netflix movie. It's okay. hilarious. It's like kind of an action movie. But like Adam Arkin or Alan, the older guy. Alan Arkin. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's yeah. in it. He's funny. And Wahlberg cracks me up when he's doing comedy because I, you know, he's always in serious movies. So he's hilarious in it, and they have great lines and like the premise. Like they have, it's a very good movie actually. I was pleasantly surprised. I'll, I'll check that one out. What's the name of that one again? Spencer what? Spencer Confidential. Spencer Confidential. Yeah. All right. And then. God, there were a couple others that I actually texted you guys about. It was like, yeah, we're using my phone right now. Otherwise, I'd oh, jump on. Coen Brothers, I love everything the Coen Brothers do. Yeah, I but agree. But the latest movie was like, dude, it's dark. Like heavy? Dark? Just dark. Really? Oh, oh I like that. I mean, they're, they're great. I mean, all their movies are great, but this uh, it was a Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. I, I didn't see that, but I remember that. Yeah. Breen and I don't watch a lot together. We watch some, but she has a really bad taste. <laughs> I so, watch documentaries. So I have to say, documentaries. Documentaries. <laughs> yeah. What, what, you've been watching some good stuff lately, though. Um, well, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was... I, I love a lot of punk rock music. I mean, I love a lot of different kinds of music. Sure. But um, I had just uh, finished reading actually a book that came out in the 90s um, called, I think it's called Please Kill Me. And it's an incredible deal. Yeah. 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 You've read it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so good. And it's so creative. So that got me on a, a, a sort of momentum of, of watching different music documentaries. So I kind of, during the pandemic, I was watching a lot of that. And then also I'm, I'm a science geek. So I've been watching a lot of different science documentaries too.
That's true. Yeah. I, you know what that reminds me? I watched the one on uh, Bob Weir the other night. Did it show him using kettlebells? <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you ever watched the videos of Bob Weir working out? No, no. no I, well, you know, they did have a couple quick graphics of him doing his yoga and stuff like that. So he seems like he's in pretty good shape. Oh, he could, he could kill any of us with his bare hands. So enjoy that and his influencer daughter and very complex guy that Bob Weir. So uh, being respectful of all of your time right here, I'll ask the closer and that's any last words for the kids. Follow Sons of Silver, come to our shows, listen to our music and tell your friends. You know, uh, be good, but don't be too good. <laughs> I don't know, you guys. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm on. Dave's trying. I'm pulling a blank. Where, oh, here, <laughs> what, what'd you say, Dave? Did we lose his audio? I, I said I have kids, and I'm always telling them something, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, no, I was just. I said stay in school. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Uh, yeah. Respect well, your it's a little, elders. A little hard right now, though. Respect your elders. Absolutely. And, I'm sorry, my gardener's here. <laughs> I gotta shut my door. It's getting really loud, but um, yeah, I think that's. And uh, keep an open mind. Yes. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just go with what your friends are doing or saying. Amen to that one. Yeah, I'd add to that. In 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 these times right now, it seems there's a lot of pointing fingers at each other instead of listening. And I would say, you know, with my heart, like just try to listen to each other because even if someone sees things differently, you might learn from them or you might help each other grow yeah be respectful of others too yeah yeah, yeah. be yeah, respectful thanks. listen listen we all that's how we get better yeah we all get better from listening to each other poking each yeah. other a little bit not too hard but just a little bit like hey you know hey you know back and forth it all gets better the collective is much better than the individual in that sense yeah. to me well said you guys have been so generous with your time when this all blows over hope to see you live in new york but keep up the great work you're doing on all ends Thanks, Darren. Thank you, Darren. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you. Thanks for checking out the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz. Produced by V13 Media. Theme song by Steve Schiltz. Audio mixing by Mark Pirro. Until next time, have a great Shabbos. Paltrowcast.